0: Today on Jersey Shore Racing Scene, local driver Anthony Cecily wins the Allentown Indoor Race, the Grasso family takes over New Egypt Speedway again, and where is the 2023 Wall Stadium Schedule? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jersey Shore Racing Scene. I'm your host, Mike Bilello, flying solo today for episode number two of 2023. Um, Last episode with Timmy Steffen was a a big success. I want to thank Timmy again for doing that. Uh, Really got good feedback and got a lot of listens, which is good. Uh, One thing before we get started, uh, would love it if everybody uh, that listens could tell a friend. Uh, We're trying to grow this podcast. We're sitting right about... Uh, between 250 and 300 listeners per episode, which is pretty awesome when you think about it. I I never really thought I would get uh, anything close to that. So um, again, if you uh, help me grow it, that'd be great. Um, All you got to do is um, share it on your Facebook, share it on your Instagram, uh, tell a friend. So uh, it's very difficult doing this podcast during the winter. That's one thing that I learned. Uh, I kind of took a couple weeks off around, around the Christmas holiday and New Year's. Because uh, there's really not a lot of, a whole lot of stuff going on, local short track racing-wise. So uh, we hit the new year running with the Timmy Stefan interview. Uh, I've got a couple other interviews in the pipeline uh, that I think you're really going to like. Um, Jeff Gravatt, who is the voice of uh, Wall Stadium, has been the voice of Wall Stadium since my childhood going to Wall Stadium, uh, was scheduled to come on the podcast. Unfortunately, he was under the weather uh, like a lot of people have been lately. So he'll be back and hopefully on in a couple weeks. Uh, Ronnie Mullen will be on the on the podcast. A, a driver who um, is kind of done everything, I think a very underrated driver, he's pretty much done everything uh, at Wall Stadium, driven every single kind of car, and won in every single kind of car, so I think that's going to be a great interview, I've known Ronnie since, boy, probably 1994 or so, so uh, we have a lot of history in going back and, and checking that out, um, Shannon Manjo reached out to him, uh, he has expressed an interest in coming on the podcast, so a lot of it during the winter, just so everybody understands, it's just uh, coordinating schedules uh, I would love to have Anthony on. We're going to talk about him in a second, winning the Allentown Indoor Race. Um, he you know said that he might be interested in doing it. Problem again is just finding ske- you know time in our schedule. He is getting ready for a full-time assault on the NASCAR Whalen Modified Tour this year. Obviously, he's getting ready to go to Atlantic City next weekend for the Gambler's Classic, trying to close out the indoor title. So hopefully he's able to do that, like seeing the local guys do well. And then obviously after that, uh, you know if he's, if he has some time uh, we can hook up and we can get him on the podcast as well so um, just looking to do some other things until we get into the regular uh, race season then we're going to kind of do a weekly episode sort of recapping local short track racing and that I think will be a little bit easier to do because obviously there's a lot of stuff to talk about so um, I decided to do this episode uh, as we're waiting for for Jeff to be able to come on and, and waiting to record Ronnie's episode in a couple days um, just because there's a lot of stuff going on in local short track racing so uh, with the uh, well but it's with the motorsports show um, going on out in Pennsylvania this weekend, that'll be uh, something where I'm sure I'll run into a lot of my uh, my racing uh, friends and family, which I like. Um, that'll be uh, that's leading into the Atlantic City indoor race, which I'm actually going to get the chance to go both days for the first time ever. Um, Many of you might not know, I was a uh, a high school coach for many, many years, 21 years, actually. Uh, I coached winter sports um, at at three different high schools, and this is the first year that I'm not doing that. So that will allow me to go down and actually go into the pits and sort of enjoy um, the indoor races. So I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. That'll be pretty cool. Usually, I just shoot down there for the Saturday night races. Uh, last year, we got, we just watched on television because there was that big snowstorm. So, it looks hopefully that doesn't happen again. Uh, we can get down there and um, and go from there. My co-host Nick Shaw decided this would be the year he would not race Atlantic City because it's the first year that I can go down there. Uh, so, unfortunately, he won't be competing. But hopefully, he can get back there uh, in uh, in next year's uh, indoor series, which would be pretty cool. Uh, they always seem like they have a good time. Him, Maddie, and all the whole crew has a real good time down there with the indoor racing. So we're going to start this episode off with some indoor racing. Uh, Excuse me, Anthony Cecily winning the Allentown uh, indoor race. And uh, one of the things that uh, I noticed, and I'm sure everybody else noticed as well, um, it, it was really, really racy track. And I think that we're going to talk about two topics today, um, one being dirt racing and the other one being indoor racing. And I think that track prep is is really the most important thing in either one of those uh, types of racing. Uh, they had a great outside groove in uh, during Allentown, and I think that made the racing great. Uh, Anthony Sesley almost lost the race by taking the inside on one restart. He actually got past and then uh, was able to get the lead back on the next restart when uh, the person who passed him decided to take the inside inexplicably. So Anthony was able to get back past him again on the outside and then obviously wasn't going to make that mistake again and kind of drove on to the win. But uh, I think it it definitely bred better side-by-side racing, fewer cautions. Uh, It was definitely uh, entertaining. Uh, you know from there. So that was pretty cool. Good race. congratulations to Anthony. That was a great win uh, and definitely exciting for the uh, the local short track racing people, especially wall stadium people, uh, you know for sure. Uh, the other um, thing, sort of heading into Atlantic City, they're, they're doing something pretty cool. They're making up the uh, Gambler's Classic that was canceled due to COVID. So they're actually going to run two full TQ midget shows, one on Friday, one on Saturday, which is pretty cool. Um, that's definitely going to make it a little bit more uh, more entertaining. And they're actually going to crown the indoor champion this weekend. So I kind of like that with Atlantic City. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the race up in New York State. They usually do it in March. It, it, it's kind of... I don't know. Once you really get started with with some early dirt racing and outdoor stuff in March, it kind of seems weird. <clears throat> excuse me to load up and go indoors. Um, I guess they're having some issues with the the facility they have the race in. Um, if this works out and they can draw a crowd for both nights, I would keep it where Atlantic City is just the you know the big you know finale, and they uh, they go ahead and. Um, uh, they go ahead and they just crown the champion uh, Saturday night at Atlantic City, which would be pretty cool. Uh, I know they have an indoor race in February um, down in Trenton. Um, I, I'm really, I was really wish they had the slingshots on the on the dirt. I don't really, I'm not really a big fan of the slingshot racing uh, indoors uh, on on the pavement. They're kind of not really built for that, and and they it sort of just turns into a wreck fest. I think if they had it on the dirt. In Trenton, that would be pretty cool. And I understand there's track prep issues and all that kind of stuff, where they it's very difficult. They have so many cars to to prep the track for the for the slingshots. But I think that would be kind of kind of pretty cool. So I'm just looking forward to getting down there and sort of just understanding and learning it. Uh, everybody's a lot of people are asking me why we don't take uh, Nikki's car down there and race, and I just don't know enough about it. I would have to get in there, <clears throat> excuse me. I'd have to get in there and uh, and really see, you know, sort of what the whole deal is down there, and then decide whether. Um, we're going to get in and and race. Um, he turns 16 in November, so he might be able to do it next year. And, and if he wants to do it, we might do it. But I definitely have to get a little bit more info before I just you know just kind of dive in there and, and go take the uh, go take the plunge and do that. So um, that's your indoor uh, indoor update. Hopefully you can get to see everybody down there in Atlantic City, and also at the Motorsports Show this weekend. They've shortened the show up; it's only Friday, Saturday this year. I've been saying that for a long time. They should do that. Um, the Sunday show is is it's just you know at, at that point, I think everyone who is going to go has already gone, and I think everyone who is a someone who's down there trying to you know uh, you know bring their race car or sell some products. By the time you get down there on Sunday, I mean, it's just it's over at that point. And I think the Friday, Saturday is uh, is definitely uh, the better way to do it. Um, So, you know, you head down there, you check it out, get to see some race cars, get your fill uh, and and go from there. So the other big news that broke this week is something that had been rumored for a while, but uh, it's been confirmed. So Rick Grosso has taken control of New Egypt Speedway again. What the press release said was that he took control of the Speedway. I don't know if that means he's leasing the Speedway or he purchased the Speedway. I'm pretty sure he purchased it but again I don't want to speak out of turn I don't know I'm going to go to the New Egypt Speedway booth this week and obviously try to talk to, to Rick and kind of get some, get some info and stuff like that um, but this is definitely a a saving, uh, saving issue for the track or saving event for the track um, <clears throat> I'm sure it's not for a lack of trying but uh, the car counts had dwindled uh, in recent years. A lot of the big names had left the racetrack. Uh, there was a there was the fans had left the racetrack, and it kind of brings me, <clears throat> excuse me, to my first point, which is pavement racing and dirt racing. Obviously, they're very different, uh, you know, types of racing. But the dirt fans and pavement fans are very, very different. So uh, it seems to me that on dirt. The fans follow their favorite driver to whatever track they're racing. so if there's New Egypt Speedway running on a, on a Saturday night and there's Bridgeport Speedway running on Saturday night and you're a Billy Pouch junior fan, you're going wherever he races, you know, especially when the tracks are close enough. So Billy Pouch Jr. was a, a regular at New Egypt, New Egypt speedway for for many years, uh, and then he switched down to Bridgeport um, presumably over some kind of dispute with the racetrack. okay I, I kind of seem to remember something about that a couple years ago. And with it, he took all of his fans with him. So pavement racing is not really that way. Um, I feel like if you're a pavement fan, you're just sort of going to your local short track and you're going to watch it. And Wall Stadium is a little bit of an anomaly because uh, they're just right near the Jersey shore. And, you know, you have a lot of casual fans that are down for the summer. Hey, what do we want to do on a Saturday night? Oh, hey, there's racing. And they go out there and they they check it out. So the crowds sort of swell during the summer. Uh, The crowds swell at New Egypt because it's the only really race going on. Then it's, it's sort of like a, a tradition, so there's a lot of people that go there. Um, so that's something where, um, I've heard again, uh, this is sort of just you know, in conversation with people, I don't want to drop anyone's name. That um, Billy Pouch Jr. is going to return to New Egypt Speedway, uh, this year to compete there. And I also heard that Ryan Godown is going back to New Egypt Speedway, which would shock me because he won. Pretty much every race last year at Bridgeport to the point where they actually had to put a bounty uh, for anyone that could beat him. So, uh, and his son won the sportsman championship. Maybe they're looking for a little bit a, a challenge okay go, i know he really he raced in new egypt for a long time i know he likes the track but again i think it was another one of those where he was sort of not happy with the management uh of the speedway so um one thing i do know uh with with rick rosso is he knows how to prep a track that's a huge part of dirt racing we're going to talk about that in a second um, he also does something that a, a lot of promoters have a hard time doing he hires people to do a job and then he lets them do their job, which is definitely a good thing. When they first had the racetrack, he hired promoters and the promoters ran the racetrack. And I think that he's going to be hiring people now uh, that are going to run, you know, the race day operations. And then he's going to go race with his kids, which is, which is cool. You know, he's going to let it, you know, obviously his kids are going to race at the racetrack. He's going to stay back and just hire people for positions and let them run the racetrack, and that's really what you have to do. A lot of promoters, I think they tend to, um, the reason why they promote a racetrack is so that they can do it their way, and they kind of, sometimes they have their hands all over it, and that, um, they don't necessarily hire people to do a job, and then let them do their job. Uh, they want to hire people to do their job, and then they want to do their job for them, which which never really works out. So, um, the number one thing that I noticed last year, we went opening night last year and the 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 dust was just unbearable and i know they they tried to fix that with with different clay as the year went on but one of the downsides to really dirt racing at any track but especially uh track like New Egypt where the stands are so low and so close to the ground is that if you get a dusty feature you can't see the racing you know and i know people say well bring a face shield or bring glasses i mean if you're just a casual fan and you just show up there and you don't have glasses or a face shield you just sit with your head down the whole time and it's not enjoyable and you walk out of there you know dirty and not able to just you know it was just it's not an enjoyable experience so um they have to get the track in order i'm sure rick can do that um The other thing, like we talked about, you got to get some of the big name drivers back. Now, Rick is fortunate because you know his sons are are becoming big name drivers, right? Brandon was uh, the track champion last year. Justin's an up and coming star, but he knows who he is. So, uh, just having those two race at your track is going to help. But you need to get some of the big name drivers because with it, they're going to bring fans. A couple things you know that it's going to happen when the Grassos run the track. You know, the food's gonna be good in the in the in the in the stands. Uh, you know that um the tracks to be prepped the right way. Uh and and they're gonna return this track to <clears throat> excuse me, they're gonna return this track to a track where you feel like you can go there and you can Uh, get a fair shake. And we're going to talk about that. And some of the rules uh, that I I went on the site, I was kind of curious, and I went on the rules, uh, the the rules page. And there's a couple things on there that stuck out to me. They're really doing a couple things exactly the way that I would do it. And of course, I think that's the right way. So we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But one of the first things when I first heard that he was taking it over, I kind of thought to myself, hey, they should switch to Friday nights. And I know that that's probably not really a popular thing, or probably not anything that's ever going to happen. But I kind of asked myself, like, why would you compete against another track that's, you know, at less than an hour away? Um, you know, Bridgeport Speedway, obviously, they're getting their 20 or 25 cars. And New Egypt last year was getting, you know, 24 cars a night in modifies. They just had a lot of drivers that were, you know, sort of, you know, newer to the modified division. But,. Um, I think that I mean it's hard for Bridgeport to switch. They do their small car racing on Friday night, um, and they've been very successful on Saturday night. So they're probably like, "Hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna move." I, I kind of first thought that maybe a Friday night New Egypt switch might work because um, there's a lot of these dirt drivers. They do not care. They will run Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if they can. Um, and so you know you might get you know, many more drivers on a Friday night. Um, And then you might draw some more fans on a Friday night. The fans will go watch racing. They'll go Friday, Saturday. I know that if New Egypt was Friday night, I'd go Friday night and then I'd go to wall Saturday, you know, um, for sure. So, and again, if you're a dirt person, you're a dirt person, pavement person. You're like, I'm going to go to wall stadium until it's not there anymore. I love that place. And I'm a pavement fan. I like going to watch dirt racing. My son races dirt racing, but um, you know, for, for the casual fan though, there was a Friday night option um, that might work. So um, that's something that I'm sure they're not going to do. I know this year's schedule came out already and it's all Saturday nights, a couple uh, Tuesday night uh, specials, which is a cool thing about dirt. They like to run. Uh, some of the midweek shows, <clears throat> but again, that's something that they 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 might think of doing. Um, the other thing, um, I feel like they could—they're missing a big opportunity with not having an affordable factory stock type division, and that's one. Um, not that they're going to listen to me or care what I say, but one of the things that I would uh, bring up to them if I got a chance to talk to them was. Uh, they're running, the divisions are running are the Modifieds, obviously. Uh, they're running 602 Crate sportsmen. They run the wingless sprints, okay, which are pretty cool. They're, they're crate motor wingless sprints. That the division's kind of grown. And then they alternate four cylinders and what they call street stocks. So one of the issues with the quote-unquote dirt street stocks um, at Bridgeport and at New Egypt is the cars are just out of control cost-wise to the point where you're just better off buying a Crate Sportsman car. Okay, um, the motor rules are wide open. Okay, they're running all, you know, weight, weight jackers. They're running aftermarket upper control arms. They're running all that stuff. I kind of feel like if they went with more of like a factory stock type division, um, that might be a good division where, um, obviously not the same factory stock rules as Wall Stadium, but pretty close where, you know, you have a limited motor, um, you can, you can have them, you can allow them to lock the rears and just let them go race, um, I think if you can get a a reasonable division that's gonna get somebody in in the in the car for six to seven thousand dollars. Um, you might get a lot of people that want to go give give dirt a try. Um, you know, you're looking at a, a street stock, which is essentially like a super stock. Um, and I, I see them up for sale. You know, they're $12,000, 13000 $18,000. Um, and that's just something that if you're going to spend 15 grand, you might as well spend 15 grand on a, on a crate sportsman uh, where you can just buy everything and they're easy to work on and stuff like that. You know, uh, with a street stock, you know, you're not taking the body off it and cleaning it. You know, with a sportsman, you just unzoot the body and it comes off. So um, that, that's a suggestion, something they might want to think about doing maybe down the road um, as a division because you know the support divisions are really what um, help the track survive they bring fans they bring drivers uh, they take a relatively small purse and uh, that helps you obviously support paying your larger modified Uh, purse so the battle at Bridgeport is going to be interesting okay I think both tracks can absolutely succeed running the same night Um, doesn't mean I wouldn't look at running a different night if I if I was them but um, you know it's one of those things where I think you could absolutely um, for sure 100% um, have both tracks survive uh, because there's enough dirt cars out here there's a a ton of 602 crate cars there is a ton of modifieds out there, um, and both of those tracks will will draw from from different states. I mean, Bridgeport's pretty much on on the Delaware line, so they're going to draw cars from Delaware, draw some cars from Pennsylvania. <coughs> Excuse me, obviously some cars from um, from New Jersey and New Egypt. Again, is really not that you know bad of a drive right out uh, 195 to get out to PA or even down in Delaware, so. Um, you know, both tracks are going to draw cars. It's just an interesting who's going to draw the big-name guys, and and that's really going to bring fans. And I would not be shocked if by the middle of the summer, Rick Rosso has New Egypt humming again uh, and back to prominence because he he's just he's a really, really good promoter, smart guy. He understands dirt racing. Um, and he's done it before. You know, he's done it before. The place, uh, you know, him, him and his, his, his family uh, resurrected New Egypt Speedway and made it one of the premier short tracks uh, in the Northeast, and I think they're going to bring it back. Uh, back there again Um, last thing on New Egypt really really smart um, smart move and I wish it was something that uh, Wall Stadium would emulate so I went on the 602 crate rule book uh, for this reason so my son Nick is a slingshot racer he's 15 years old Uh, the issue that we have is it is really expensive and really time-consuming to drive out to Pennsylvania to our favorite dirt track and race our slingshot. So um, I was kind of thinking, okay, so he turns 16 next year. What is the best uh, sort of uh, you know path for him? Uh, maybe it's Wall Stadium. Maybe he's not really a pavement fan. Um, maybe it's a 602 crate uh, car at New Egypt. And uh, the problem is, as always, when you look at that, you think of, hey, it's 602 crate division. Guys are getting in the motors, okay? They're getting in the motors and um, they're making it, um, you know, just really uh, undoable for the low buck racer, okay? And that's something that New Egypt Speedway has taken a major, major step uh, towards solving. So I looked on their website, took a look at their 602 crate rules, and they've done essentially what I would absolutely do <coughs> if I had the opportunity and, and had a racetrack. Um, They struck a deal with GM and they are to get supply of crate motors. And if you want to run the 602 crate division at new Egypt speedway, you have to run it. You have to buy your motor from them and you go to the racetrack I say, hey, I'm Mike Bolello, I have a 602 Cray car, I don't have an engine, I want to buy one. They make arrangements where you go, you pay the racetrack, they, they've they secured engines, they stay at a reasonable price, and and you know we know what the engines cost now. When they first started out, they were $3,500, now they're probably $6,000. Um, and what you do is you take delivery from the racetrack of your engine, and it has your GM seals on it, and it is sealed by New Egypt Speedway. You take your engine and you put it in the car. Okay? Now, that's perfect. There and you know, no one is is getting an engine from somebody else, okay? Um, and you can go back and forth. Well, they're not, you know, they're not doing anything. It doesn't matter because you're getting your engine from the track. And there's actually part of the rule book that says if you'd like to try New Egypt Speedway with a non New Egypt Speedway sealed motor, you can run one week. And uh, after that, it, your motor either needs to be teched and sealed by New Egypt Speedway officials or you have to purchase a motor from the racetrack. So that makes uh, all the 602 crate uh, division drivers much more likely to say, I'm going to make New Egypt Speedway my home. Uh, and it makes the people that have bogus crate motors say, oh, geez, I'm not going to be able to make that track my home because they're going to they're gonna catch me. Now, obviously, tech is difficult. <clears throat> they did mention that they... Uh, have acquired some new tools, I don't know exactly what they are. I'm not an engine guy um, to tech the motors better uh, and make sure that you know they' they're on the up and up. Um, the only other thing I would do, and and I've said this before on the on the podcast is I would purchase just say two extra engines if I was the racetrack and just leave them at the racetrack. And if you think someone's motor is sheeted up, you just claim their motor. Hey, we're taking your motor we're giving you one of one of our sealed motors. And if they refuse, they're disqualified and they don't they can't come back to your track again until they give their motor up or they put one of your motors in. Um, and I know it seems like a little bit extreme, but that's the whole point of having a 602 crate division. Is that you have the opportunity to make it the driver and the setup and some luck and some track position determining who's going to win the race, not Someone who has a bogus motor racing against a bunch of people that have a 602 crate motor. So uh, I thought that was just a really, uh, it was a really great thing. Uh, again, you know, you want to you hop up a, a sportsman motor and spend, you know, $15,000 on it. Go buy a modified. You know, uh, the cars are exactly the same. Go, go buy a modified motor. Um, and that is the big issue at Wall Stadium with their crate division. Um, they don't get a lot of cars. And some people will say, "Well, they crash all the time." Well, every division crashes all the time at Wall Stadium. Um, the main reason is that you do have some people out there, <clears throat> excuse me, with ten, twelve, fourteen thousand dollars in their crate engine, and you have other people out there with a an older crate engine they paid $3,500 for so um, you know Wall Stadium could very easily do the exact same thing Um, it is very difficult to unring the bell okay so what I mean by that is you know if somebody has what they know to be a bogus uh, crate engine and then all of a sudden you're gonna say well now you got to buy one from us they're gonna get angry because they just spent $14,000 on a crate engine but sometimes you have to rip the band-aid off and you just have to say look you know we're gonna we're gonna get these rules in line you know maybe you tell people hey you, you make, you, you know, Wall Stadium tells everybody in July, hey, for next season, if you want to run, you can run your motor the rest of the season, but don't get it freshened up because next season you're going to have to buy a motor from us and it's going to have to be sealed by our tech guys and we're going to make this division great. And I think what you'll find in the long run, you may lose one or two guys that are angry. I don't think you will, but in the long run, you're going to have a more healthy and a better great division so kudos to uh to the whoever's doing the rules over there at new egypt that's definitely a cool rule and i think you're going to see it pay dividends i think you're going to see a lot more cars and i think you're going to see a lot more even um racing uh you know in that division which is pretty cool um okay so that sort of ends up our, our new egypt discussion uh, again congratulations to, to rick and family good luck with the racetrack uh we'll definitely be making some visits to new egypt speedway this year as it's it's you know relatively close to our house and maybe who knows. Next year, might might be regulars there with Nick. We'll see uh, how his racing goes. Um, now, the last thing I want to talk about briefly. Um, one of the things we want to do, other than some interviews, is kind of break down the schedules. Um, Where is the Wall Stadium schedule? I'm kind of hoping that uh, they have it released for Motorsports this weekend. I don't really think that's going to happen. They don't usually have a booth at Wall at uh, Motorsports. Uh, I understand it's expensive, and you got to go out there and spend your time out there. I get it, but um, we're sitting right now, you know, second, third week of January, um, and it's not even a matter of people really making their life schedule around wall stadium schedule but a lot of people do um back in the day you never got any weeks off okay (laughs) the old street stock division actually every division you just raced every week and i think it's a good thing that (coughs) excuse me that the racetracks have kind of said okay you know we're going to start giving you know some weeks off to certain divisions and 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 let people you know plan some stuff but you know people are going to plan their racing schedule uh they need to know when they're racing so um, hopefully they'll get that schedule out soon. When they do, we'll break it down. Uh, we do know that July eighth is the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour event at wall stadium uh, that is already out on the wheel and modified to our schedule um, so hopefully again they can fill in the rest of the schedule uh, and again you can kind of deduce where everything's going to be based on what it was the last couple years but it's just nice to have confirmation so uh, people that are planning vacations planning things on their weeks off uh, can do that because I do know a lot of race car drivers do that they're going to plan uh, their vacations and, and time away uh, based on the wall stadium schedule if they're looking to run for, for a championship so hopefully that's something that happens soon uh, we can go from there so everybody, enjoy motorsports this weekend. Um, again, Ronnie Mullins' interview. We're going to do that. We're going to record it this weekend. We'll have it out early next week. Um, and if um, again, hopefully, I see a lot of you guys down at um, at Atlantic City. Again, give your feedback. Please, please, please share this with a friend. Uh, there's a whole, now we have a pretty good amount of episodes up. Uh, maybe you don't want to listen to every one of them. Maybe you want to go back and you want to listen to Eric Moriello's interview. Very, very interesting um, to hear about his uh, his career and his life after racing. Um, TQ Midget Champion Kyle taraska has got an interview up there. Joe Nappy has an interview up there. Uh, and of course, uh, Timmy Steffen from last week. So go on back, check it out. Uh, and uh, again, enjoy the races. This is Mike Bolello, Jersey Shore Racing Scene. Have a great night.